Welcome to La Taverna Friuli Wines, the definitive podcast on wines from Friuli Venezia Giulia. I'm your host, Wayne Young. Okay, so uh, we will get started here. No, no, did no, no, until that. Okay, sorry, <laughs> my problem. So, um, let's see. Okay, we got Wine World coming in here. I want to try just something. Michele, before we get started, um, mm-hmm. if I could ask somebody on the, uh, on the Instagram to come on and maybe say something or, or uh, maybe or make a comment. I don't know. Uh, this is the first time I've ever used Instagram Live. So, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not you can hear or I think it's just kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, a... Um, a chat thing. So I'll keep my eye on Instagram live. Those of you who are on Instagram live, hopefully you can hear me. Um, if you can hear me, give us a little, uh, a little shout out here. I want to make sure that you can hear me. So uh, if uh, Dean Lapthorne, who is here, I just sent a wave to um, wine world uh, is, is here. I just waved to them and detective mills is here by all means. If you guys can hear me, do please send us a little message here so this way I know things are going the way that they should go. Anyway, um, yes, so New Frontiers here. Welcome back. This is like, Nat, you know, this is the first episode of season two. <gasps> season two. Welcome, everybody, to exactly. season two. Season two of La Taverna Friuli Wines. Michele Pace has decided to um, come and join us for the first episode. Hi, Michele. Hi, hi. Kelly, this is Natalie, my beautiful co-host, who is always here supporting mm-hmm. me and helping me with the podcast. Um, Asking and, right. questions for people who are learning. Basically. Exactly. This is important. This is absolutely important. Good yes. point. So. Good, good. Michele, you know, I have to say, you know, we had, we had a couple of minutes here before we started the podcast. So we opened the Zenta. And we're, mm-hmm. we're all deeply deeply yeah. in love with this yummy, wine right now yummy, <laughs> yummy. <laughs> we all we really really love it um uh, you know very very quickly because i want to talk a little bit about the the, the incredible history that the winery has before we get into mm-hmm. the wines but could you tell us a little just a little bit about what this wine is so as as all the ideas uh, uh, in a cellar, it starts with a barrel you do for yourself. <laughs> and, okay. And actually, this is <laughs> how the wine started. Then um, basically, we were working on uh, restoring some very old vineyards we had on. Michele, I've lost you. Five years uh, trying to understand which one was the best way to make this wine so actually is a selection of uh, chardonnay and sauvignon chardonnay and sauvignon How were, okay yeah actually it's a 50 50 and um i still remember what I, when i was working in new zealand i, I did an internship in uh, in new zealand it was technically called the chavignon <laughs> chavignon Avignon, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a great blend of course it's uh it's something that is brought to to its maximum extraction here because we have a product that is done on the very highest, the highest part of the hill with the maximum exposure, the maximum wind exposure as well that um, make this wine possible somehow. Okay. That's really interesting. Sorry, I just want to say straight away, you said you were in New Zealand, Michele. Yep. Well, funnily yep. enough, about ooh, maybe... Five years ago, I was in London at this wine bar and their wine of the day was a New Zealand Sauvignon. I don't remember what it was. It was the most delicious, delicious wine. That's really interesting that this is coming from your experience in New Zealand, right? 
But yeah, uh, I mean, I think that this is very, very, very important for us to always keep our minds open. I mean, as Italian, we should never forget where do we come from, but we should always look ahead sure. without forgetting the roots. Uh, and uh, and clearly, this experience uh, opened up a little bit my mind uh, on a certain concept. There was there was a time, more or less five years ago. It's quite interesting that you mm. came up with that timing where. Whites were just, uh, you know, these uh, jammy whites, not very fresh, where they can give you nice, very incredible feelings, but you can't go over the first glass. So um, the idea we wanted to bring here was to have some of the freshness, some of the aromatics of the Sauvignon, but still keep the structure of the Chardonnay to, to balance these two things. And a part of the soul comes from the New Zealand experience, of course. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's warm and I can yeah. say it's warm and it's smooth and round. But it also has that, that, that energy to it as well. Delicious. But, you know, and if you think that is a 2018 and we just start selling it now, it's, uh, it's quite curious how fresh it could keep. You know, the, um, uh, the fact is that... Um, apart from the name itself and maybe after we're going to spend a few words on that because it's part of the history but the wine itself is done uh, with a, a whole process of um, skin contact a very long skin contact actually it's a macerated wine ah this is a macerated and, um, wine Yep. Really? And, um, it does yep. not taste like a macerated wine at all. But, you know, because um, b basically sometimes uh, um, macerated wine, we, we always think that maceration have just one expression, which is the extreme skin contact, which can go up to even a month or two months or whatever someone wants to do it. This one was macerated for five, seven days Okay. during the fermentation. And um, during this first stage, the Chardonnay is macerated seven days and, uh, and the Sauvignon is macerated five days. And what we did was basically to, to start this maceration process with indigenous yeast and, and this starts going for the first five seven, to seven days in a completely reductive atmosphere. Okay. So basically what happened is that if you don't move the wine when it's still with the skin inside, somehow the skin of the berries, you avoid extracting this um, bitter part or this excess of color, mm -hmm. which could be really nice to see, but somehow makes the wine uh, age very quickly, especially in the first year, you know? Okay. So we, we try to keep the, the skin content in order to extract the, the, the aromas, to extract the saltiness, but to keep the freshness. And after that, we we, we separated the, the the skin from the from the wine. And after that, we went to a normal uh, fermentation process that happened into barrels. And um, the barrels that we've been using to do this wine are quite particular. In a sense, that normally what 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 you do when you build a barrel. Is that um, you? You 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 create a sort of cone of wood. You turn on a fire. You bend it. You give it the barrel shape. Then you toast the barrel. What we did instead was to bend the barrel with steam. And this basically, uh, what happened is that when you put the, the the wood with the steam, it it cracks the cellulose, the main chemical compound, mm -hmm. into small sugars. Aha. Uh -huh. It's uh, it's called a hydrolysis of the sugar, and what and after when you do the toasting, uh, you do the caramelization of the sugar. Long story short, at home if you keep if you take water, sugar, and fire, you do caramel. What right. we did with the barrel was this: was cutting the sugar of the of the of the wood with steam, which is a natural way, and do and then went through the normal toasting process. So we don't have a booty expression of the oak. But still, it enhances and makes more, like somehow it makes you feel better, the, the saltiness, which is the, the characteristic of the soil. Of so course, you're of avoiding the sort of all that vanillin and toasty kind of feel to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that as a winemaker, what we, we, we have to, to, to bring to the final customers above everything is the territory. Otherwise, we are just giving them a, a, 
wine that is a son of the cellar rather than the hill where we grow the vines. You okay. Know? So um, like, that was the idea behind. I mean, as well, all the estate is into organic, and uh, we wanted to to bring uh, all this work we do in the field all the way down in the bottle. Go ahead, I'm, I hope this isn't too much of an ignorant question, but the process that you've just described, is that something you learn in New Zealand, or is that something that is... Um, okay. This is uh, absolutely something that came out through experience. I'm So even though I'm uh, still super tremendously young, because I'm just 30, <laughs> and I hope I would be, I, I was still 27, n nonetheless, I, I started directing the cellar when I was 18, because um, the dad had an issue at the time, and so I took over, and and I remember that the, the biggest uh, problem I was facing throughout all the phase of winemaking was always how to keep uh, the wine um, connected with the soil and with the white is very complicated somehow because we are into a wine industry where most of the people want something that express quickly fast and have to send out a clear straightforward message and um, when you start working into aging white wine you still have somehow to keep the freshness but still leave the evolution of the wine flows you know underneath and um, and on this uh, and on this point of view the barrels can give a big help but at the same time many times they are too intrusive into the taste and into the smell so this kind of process uh, came out after years of experimentation on the reds and then we tried the uh, on the whites, it was five years we were trying on the whites until finally in 2018 we found the right balance. There is a lot of technology in the sense that um, we tried to, to, to check uh, all the, the, the East, um, the East uh, life uh, somehow just with the use of heat, cold, without adding chemicals. So there was a big story behind a big process uh, and and a lot of mistake we done on the way but then finally the result is here and <laughs> it's great can you um can you tell me why it's called zenta hmm so uh zenta is uh, something that is deeply connected with the um, history of europe hmm. everything started in the 6083 Actually, it was the 11th of September, 6083. Yeah, the exact date, uh, 11th of September, 6083. 11th September, 6083. At 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm not sure of the time, but... <laughs> 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 the, um, the Turkish army sieged Vienna, sieged Vienna. Okay. And um, they basically had a secret agreement with the French to, to cut Europe in two. And um, the, the, they just had to make fall the Austrian Empire. Basically, the, the, the wall of the city was already broken. Uh, the emperor was fleeted from the city. But the last thing he, he did was to ask uh, the, 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 the noble family that were still loyal to him um, to come and try to save the, the capital of the Austrian Empire. Okay. And uh, basically, that day, uh, with the help of the Polish army and all the Italian uh, family that were still loyal to the, um, to the Austrian Empire, they saved Vienna, they defeated the, the Turkish army. After that, it was a 10-year campaign. They went on to reconquest all the Balkans. And the last battle was the Battle of Zenta. So my family was among, uh, my father's family was among uh, the, the one that were loyal to the emperor and they went to, throughout all the battles. What happened is that in this battle, uh, the commander-in-chief of the army was uh, Eugenio di Savoia. He saw that the Turkish armies was crossing a river. And by crossing the river, they exposed themselves because the army was cut in two. So even though the Turkish army was, uh, they were about 150,000 soldiers and the Imperial army was of 50,000. Eugenio di Savoy asked who was uh, brave enough to go and charge them. So just 20,000 soldiers went to charge 150,000. So Whoa. the first battalion on the first line was our family battalion. Wow. Oof. And uh, 
they broke the line, they captured the enemy general, and of course they brought back some of the of the bottino is in Italian, you know, the they get some of the money of the oh, army. Of course, yeah. A little and, bit of uh, the, the booty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, which could be as well some Oh, oh no! Just when you were about just to say something good. really fun, yeah, he got yeah he he fell out. He'll be back. He'll be back. But yeah, he just popped right out. So he'll be back in. Don't worry. So yeah, literally, like right in the middle of that really interesting. And that story. could also be something really. Maybe you can't say booty on Clubhouse. Can you say booty? <sighs> booty, on booty, booty, booty. <laughs> if you get us kicked off a of Clubhouse for saying booty, I just got out of Facebook prison. So. For no mm -hmm. reason. So hopefully he'll be uh, Same he'll, shin. he'll be popping back in. Maybe I should send him a message and tell him, Michele, stop talking. You're out. So um, Eleanor and Vanessa are here listening. Um, and maybe somebody wants to come up on stage and ask a quick question. But I know we've basically just gotten started. Um, but I'm going to send Michele a quick message and say, Michele, sign back in. Maybe he lost his... Uh, his uh, his Connection. Battery ran out. Oh, there he is. He's back. Ah, here there we he are. I was just about was... to send you a, a, a text, Michele, to tell you the advice. Where are you, cats? We were just talking about booty. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you Never said your, your, family, your family was able to bring back some of the, of, the, yeah. booty. of the the booty. Yeah, of the booty. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and after that, basically, they built a cellar that uh, has been used as a cellar in our family since uh, 1697 when, when it was built. And, is this uh, the one in Corno or is this the one in Topoliano? This is the one in Topoliano. Okay. So the one in Corno is connected to my mother family. It's, it's quite amazing because both our family, uh, bo both my parents' family have a huge history. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. It's uh, incredible territory and this is why it's called Zenta. There is a Zenta Rosso as well, which is not for sale yet because mm -hmm. these kind of products need to do some aging uh, into into the warehouse and just when we are happy with it we start the sales that's not fair and, uh, you're holding out on me michele ah <laughs> this and just trying to put down the base for the next conversation no, I'm, yeah they, <laughs> ah smart man strategy and just, yep. and just to let you know there is as well a champenoise method uh, blanc, blanc de noir padose based 100 percent pinot noir huh? mm -hmm. <laughs> okay well when is that gonna be ready that uh, is, uh, was already for sales, but we just had a small problem. It lasted three weeks after it was sold out. <laughs> wow. That's great. Wow, so, that's great. Great the, success. Yeah, and the next delivery is going to be in June. Okay. Until that time, we are completely out, uh, out of stock. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the, the story of these, the, the, these battles and the alliance with the Austro-Hungarian Empire is the, the Pace side of the family. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But, you know, Friuli it's, uh, was always in between uh, Austria and Venice. And of course. This is what created the, 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 the main wealth of, I guess, of our territory, this multicultural, multilingual um, society comes uh, out of uh, clearly out of that if i think that the family at, at during during world war one half of the family was into the austrian and the other half was into the italian side wow like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really split incredible. down the middle yeah 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 but i mean the the the, the base of the state in um, in uh, corno was the first line military italian hospital during World War One, because uh, the border uh, of our property, which is the Udrio River, was uh, the Italian border until 1917. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's quite amazing. That's oh, why you God. see I, along the Udrio River, you see these beautiful houses. There's one in, um, in Prepoto that used to mm -hmm. be like the, the sort of like the, the customs house that was on the river. Yeah. Yeah, They're really yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so exactly. you see those every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. From sure. from my property, actually, I see them perfectly. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, like you have to think that the the, the the amazing thing, and this is as well, many I would say ninety percent of the quality of our wines come out of the position because even historically talking, until the thirteenth century. Uh, the what were the crew 
uh, of the of our area there were the um, Rosazzo Abbey, okay. the Castle of Gramogliano, and the um, Rocca Bernarda. So those uh, three crew were always there and mentioned that there is a, a an incredible story that is not connected to us, but is quite interesting. Mm, uh, the the Lord of uh, Gramogliano at a certain time he he did a rebellion against the patriarch mm. of uh, Aquileia okay and uh, he he was defeated and uh, we are talking about uh, 12 something so okay. 800 years ago and uh, it's written that in order to avoid his power to rise again he took off the only wealth he have by cutting at the at the begin at the base all the vines. Uh -huh. So there was wine growing there since like eight hundred years ago because it's the first eel against the against the, the uh, against the, the flat area of Friuli and, and so you have this incredible excursion between night and day because you have the wind coming up from the sea. Okay. And 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 behind the cold air coming from the mountain, so there are these incredible drops of twenty degrees between night and day, which is unbelievable. Which, which castle which, is this again? This was the castle of Gramogliano, Gramogliano. which is destroyed. Okay. And Gramogliano now it's it's our property because basically we own ninety percent of Gramogliano, I would say. And um, so is that there by Corno? Yeah, it's okay. uh, if you exit Corno, there is a small sign, the Gramogliano, and there there is me, Canus, uh, Clivi, Visentini, okay. and then us. Basically, it's uh, roughly 100 hectares, the Gramogliano area, and uh, 64 is our property. Okay, wow. So, so it's uh, so so much history, you know, with you guys. Mm. Between, uh, between, so, so after the, this, this war and this famous battle, your, uh, your connection dropping. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. You sort of go in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so connection dropping a bit. Yeah. What was I going to say? Um, so you you said the, that the, the, the people there, the, the Pace side of the family came back and they established a winery in Topediano, which is down near. Yep. Uh, down near Palmanova. Uh, Palmanova. So they exactly. started making wine exactly. right after that. They started winemaking right after that. Which then, was about um, when? As always, you know, but this was uh, at the very beginning of the 80th century. So we are talking 70-ish, uh, uh, Okay. Because the cellar was built in 1697. Okay. So we had the papers from when the, the cellar was built. Okay. After that, as always, you know, uh, we say that uh, the, the, there is uh, always this cycle, you know, one generation creates, one tries to maintain, the third one destroys somehow, you know? So you can imagine throughout centuries what, this, what happened. Up and down. And um, up and down, up and down, and basically what uh, my, my mother family instead, you have to think that the oldest painting of a winemaking in Friuli was a fresco in the family house of my mother which now it's in the um, it's preserved in the castello in the castle of Udine okay. because the house was uh, destroyed with the last bombing of Udine ah and this and, that, uh, this house was in Udine and this house was in Udine okay. and my mother family when my was the last family... sorry the last bombing of Udine was when the last bombing of Udine, the one when was destroyed, the, the house was uh, uh, an English bombing of Udine, which I guess was uh, around the 43. English but bombing. But I'm not, uh, I'm not sure of the date. Okay. Uh, that I'm not, honestly, I don't have in my mind now the date. Okay. So it's all your fault, Nat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Being English, so. Being, yeah. Anyway, no, I think the Americans bombed Udine more than the English did, but anyway. But, you know, it's uh, at, at the end, uh, when when you are in war, I think the bombs doesn't have any name. Uh, no. have to ask, uh, well, we are still stupid to, 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 to go drop in, bombs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Actually, it was 45. 45, was, uh, okay. 45, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the oldest fresco of winemaking in Friuli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was in yeah. your mom's house in Udine, 
and it's now it's in the so. Castello di Udine. Yeah, Holy. and he's still preserved that, which Gee, is a uh, part. Eh? Very, Gee whiz, Michele. Very yeah. impressive. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. We're sitting here. Unbelievable history yeah. going on here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's uh, when uh, Veronelli did, um, Luigi Veronelli, I mean, uh, for sure, you know, it's, the, I guess, probably the most important wine writer in, in Italy, did, um, did a book. It was the 50 oldest winemaker family in Italy. He did this goat of the winemaker family in Italy among those 50 there is as well our family. Wow. Of course. So, well, yeah. It seems uh, obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but the, the crazy thing uh, at the very end, and this is what pushed uh, me and my brother to, to, to keep working and struggling and trying to do our best, is that basically when my parents got the winery, there was almost nothing left. Because, um, as always happened uh, in this family, there are fights uh, between people and they start destroying everything. They weren't able to, um, they weren't able to, to keep uh, uh, running the business and everything. So at the, at the very end, when my parents started, th- there was like, I guess, four actors of vineyards and uh, no wine bottled almost anymore except for the wine for the family okay and uh, and they literally restarted from from scratch you have to think that on, on the vineyards there was the wood growing like the forest growing okay so they they, they restart by restoring one bit at the time and even the the, the, the family seller of um, of my father uh, family we just finished the the last restoration of that and now in there we are doing uh, champenoise mattered wine and uh, and uh, we have the main warehouse for all the the reserve like uh, like the zenta so literally they 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 they, they showed us the way that they, they showed us the word the, the the way to work and and rebuild uh, everything, and this is just what we are trying to do, following the path they. So it's basically your your parents, that that sort of re instrumented this rebirth of of the Peruzzini winery. But yeah, even though they were amazing, because like many 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 of the the most important wines in Friuli, the Piccolit, uh, the Ribolla, the Merlot, okay, that that right now are I would say the base of the of uh, of the Italian wine makings. If you if you just type down Piccolit, like was everyone agreed on saying that was my grand grandfather they saw it, they save it they replanted and they reselected my grandfather um reselected the ribolla and he brought and selected some clone of merlot like our merlot is done with three genetics of merlot we analyzed the dna and we saw that is a clone of merlot they thought it was distinguished in the 17th century so it just has wow deep, it's just like our mellow. And they were doing this amazing work, but was almost more for fun because probably, you know, the, there is always this phase when you have, for any reason, maybe you just have too much money, you stop struggling, <laughs> stop fighting. Okay. And you start living on that without uh, really uh, make it work the way it should be. And, um, and at the end, uh, once you touch the ground, uh, you are close enough to point uh, your your feet and push up again and this is what we are doing right now like just to give you an idea like when my parents gave us the the wineries the, the winery i'm running we are running uh, the me and my two brothers we're running together the winery mm-hmm. when uh, our parents uh, gave us the, the key and the loans especially the loans of the winery um, <laughs> they they the the state was producing something like thirty seven thousand bottles. Okay. And uh, right now we are close to two hundred thousand. Wow. So it's uh, I would say we are. How how many hectares doing... do you have in total? So right now we grow twenty hectares of uh, ourselves. Uh, plus okay. uh, we do have uh, some uh, supplier grapes. Okay. That uh, we use uh, just for the um, not mainline sparkly wine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So totally, totally, we receive uh, roughly thirty-five hectares of grapes. Okay. 
Wow, that's incredible. I mean, so the the Peruzzini part of the family also has some some incredible history there. Can you go into a little bit more on your mom's side? What was going on there? Bah, on how there. Did, how did was, they get the, the the place in Corno? Where did that come from? <laughs> so, uh, in old family, there was a main house, and uh, from the main house which actually was the family castle of Rocca Bernarda, oh. uh, w- where my mom grew. Um, they were the different uh, colonies. Colonies, it's uh, really in an imperial sense <laughs> term. Somehow, let's say the castle was Great Britain, and then there were Australia, New Zealand. Oh, US, okay. So it was like a colony. And, uh-huh. and that was a colony. There were 27 colonies actually. Okay. So um, what happened is that uh, the brother of my grandfather um, did a testament where he left uh, uh, everything to the um, Knights Order of Malta as a gift. Okay. And uh, he was murdered uh, straight <gasps> after this uh, last uh, wishes. There is a very nice book. It's called The Long Shades of Death. And um, after that, the we lost him again. He just popped out. What a story. Oh, my God. What a story. We're going to have to get him on again just to... F- I want to hear more about how he got murdered. <laughs> We've <laughs> got a saga here. Did, yeah, it, it, it is a saga. I bet you somebody's already writing that book. Like, well, I mean... Or they should be writing that book because it's really crazy. Oh, my God. Making so, me think of the Castello di Brazza. There's a whole huge story there as well here. Really? It's not connected to wine, but it's an incredible story, which... I mean, even just like living here, I know, I realize how little I know about like a lot of the... Details. Here we are there again. There he is. Uh, okay. Here we are again. <laughs> yeah, where, we, are, where, where we were? Uh, he, you were talking about... Murder. Um, yeah, you're... you're, uh, yeah. you're so, somebody got murdered. Gaetano, 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 brother of my... Bra- my, my grandfather. Was murdered. Uh, how did, how they, can I ask how that happened? I mean, was that like somebody well, like trying when, to rob when, him? Or? When we did, the, when <laughs> there was the case against the Knights Order of Malta, there was a uh, to to try to 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 resettle to see if there were condition to resettlement. This is li- li- really another story, but just to give an idea, there was a strange, um, there was a strange, uh, uh, let's say, robbery at the Procura della Repubblica in Trieste, and they, what they stole were just the proof of the Omicidio Peruzzini. <laughs> no. So, yeah, but it's... So, uh, it's, uh, that's so there was... It's no, so, now basically what we're saying is that there was a, there was a, a, a break-in, a burglary right. in, in Trieste, and the only thing that they stole was the evidence for this murder. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's... We were saying when you were when you popped out, we were saying, "Who's writing this book, Michele? There's you got like a big book to write here if it hasn't already been written." Screenplay. Uh, so the book, the book. Allora, uh, the book is uh, about uh, um, two murder. Uh, two murders. We've got see. another murder going on in here. No, we, which is not, oh, okay. uh, which is not uh, in the. In the family, oh, okay. it was written uh, was written by Ve, uh, Vet Einigen. So it's a uh, it's a strange uh, it's a strange thing. But anyway, if you just Google the murder Peruzzini, there are gonna be plenty of things coming out. Okay, like international intrigue in Rocca Bernarda and the Diary of Enriquez and so on. And yeah, it's there's all that sort of conspiracy theory theory thing about the you know the Knights of Malta and the crusades and how the pope had them all exterminated <laughs> yeah, and all that sort of at, stuff at the very end i don't know if he's on them if it was just a, a murder or whatever wow. anyway i i really don't care about that because yeah because let's talk more about wine you you have uh, you have to know where do you come from but the very the important thing is to where look you're ahead going and to know yeah. where you where you are going you know it's uh I do think that this is uh, what that this have to be the the spark, you okay. know, okay. that, that, that puts you forward. Yeah, I'm just I I I followed your advice. I've just cheekily had a quick Google here, and I've got Gaetano Peruzzini, who <laughs> worked with Alo- Alois Alzheimer and contributed to the definition of Alzheimer's disease. He was a physician. Wow. So 
so the truth the truth is that the, at the beginning the disease of Alzheimer was called disease of Peruzzini Alzheimer. No. Really? And thank God, and thank God, no one's know it much. <laughs> <laughs> so they what forgot. Happened, what happened to this guy that was born in 1879? Um, they, they they did a post on him, you know, because uh, basically he. Um, he went uh, to the um, Max Planck Institute and he's the one that, as the first one, drafted the cause of the, of the Alzheimer disease and studied the patient zero that was uh, Augusta D. And um, basically what happened is that um, after the, the, the war came out, he died in fact in, in 1915 in Cormons. In Cormons. And uh, okay. he was um, he was uh, uh, he was a patriot, and uh, and uh, he thought that uh, his um, his task was to go and defend uh, the borders and above everything the borders of his property because all, all her pro- his property were on the border. So what happened is that he went to war, and because he was from an important family. They they didn't allow him to go in first line, so he just gave fake name and surname and went into into the first line. And since he was a doctor, he went and helped. Uh, um, and then at a certain point, the hospital where he was uh, fighting uh, was uh, surrounded by the Austrian army. He was on the Italian side, and um, and basically he he stayed there, tried to help everyone until the very last moment. And then he was hit by a grenade, and uh, he died a few days after in Cormons. In fact, he was awarded of, uh, awarded of the Silver Medal of Honor mm. in in war, and he was as well uh, an, an incredible magician. And and right now there are huge research research uh, on on his fundamental contribution to um, to the description of the alzheimer disease wow yeah so it's uh, it's quite incredible as well because he died in cormons in a house in a in a red cross hospital that was given as a that was given from that he donated to the red cross and um, so it was his his structure his that he <laughs> yeah, gave to them structure. And they yeah. and he died in, in it himself. But the, there is an amazing uh, uh, book that was written by his wife, uh, that was Giuseppina Peruzzini. Okay. So she died uh, when she was one hundred and five, <gasps> and uh, she see. wrote uh, a book when she was one hundred and three. Wow. She wrote a book when she was. Uh, well, then there's still uh, hope for me, uh, Michele. I just <laughs> I I saw just that, that he was only 36 when he died. Yeah, so he was a re- literally a genius because you have to think that he lost his father when he was sick, when he was six. Six, okay. Yeah, then uh, he graduated when he was 16, and uh, uh, at 20 he was already graduated as a doctor. Oh then uh, at um, at twenty two uh, year, he, he got the the final recognition to be to operate as a doctor, mm-hmm. and um, and then he was uh, at this uh, researching with uh, Alzheimer in his twenties. You know, right. it's, uh, it, it makes you understand the kind of man he was, and um, and it's amazing that. The story, back to the, the wife that uh, wrote the book. Uh, okay. 103, she wrote 103. a book. 103. 70 years she later, wrote, nearly. Yeah. yeah. She wrote a book called One uh, Century of Memories. Wow. And uh, it's amazing because the last uh, uh, memory she had of the husband was she come, she came back to, to home from Germany. She brought her with the horse to, do the, to see where the borders of the property were knowing his, uh, somehow that he was going to die in war. Mm. You know? And so he, he, he showed the, the property. And, and she's, uh, it's quite amazing. It's a very short book, but really, really, really interesting to, to, to read. You know, this is so interesting and so rich 
that like, I, you know, if I didn't know you, Michele, like if you were just like some guy and you told me this story, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> the biggest bullshit story I've ever heard in my entire life. But it's amazing, incredibly rich. And, 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 and I had no idea um, that your family had such an incredibly rich history. I knew that there was history there, but not so much history with this area and maybe maybe you know i hope for you as far as just you know the the your family's situation is concerned but i mean for, for the winery that the people start to really understand that this is one of the most historic wineries that we have and for you lee i was totally ignorant of this fact to be very honest and the wine's fantastic and the wine is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> So, well, this, the Zenta that we're drinking, we're all like basically in love with. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. I'll be back to buy more of this. You know, you. it's in, interesting, Michaela, because I work also in wine tourism and um, I spend much of my time trying to create, you know, to use buzzwords, authentic experiences for people that love wine, that love Italy, you know, that just want to try something new and give them an experience that's not that's often you know as rich as possible something like this is i think beats all the stuff i've got i mean it's, yeah, yeah it's i know i know it's amazing but it's um you know for for a long long time um there were there were somehow you know Friuli it's very particular it's a I would say from some aspect, it's a closed society. So mm. we were all, all always trying to keep everything, all our history for ourselves to, to not be pointed at somehow. I don't know how to, to express it. Somehow there is envy as well. Right now, thank God, the times are changing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I see that uh, uh, like this thing, I think are a wealth for our territory because uh, Absolutely. history is a common wealth, you know? It's uh, it's not mine. It's it's ours. The history of wars, uh, history of what have been passing through our territory, are all things we should share, and it's important to share. First of all, to not do the same mistakes. Of course. And uh, and the second, because it's uh, where we come from, you know, and um, and this is uh, and 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 this is the key. So and we're coming back. Uh, to Sorry, to, we're coming back to an era of, of storytelling. I mean, it's never gone away. It's never gone away, of course. But now more than ever, the story is fundamental. Yeah. People want to understand where things come from. People are moving back to local. They want to know what's going on. And something like this is, uh, well, as Wayne said, it's so rich. Yeah. It's so complex. It's compelling. It's moving. There's so much going on there behind the wine yeah, exactly. um, with your with your with your um, great uncle i think is the right term isn't it for grandfather's yeah, yeah. brother anyway yeah. um wow yeah no really there, there are uh, there are there are plenty of it uh, even on the on the other side like uh, my grandmother on the father side was uh, a voluntary uh, red cross uh, on the albanian side like there are it's it's quite incredible, honestly. I I have to see. I, I have to say that probably the thing we feel the most, me and uh, and and my brothers, is somehow the pressure to demonstrate <laughs> we are at the height of the to, to live up the, to the to but the to incredible it. history that you have going on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's great that, like you said, at your age at thirty, that you're committed and passionate and so well informed about your family history i mean you know so much obviously it's a it's a huge story but Absolutely. you're so well informed and able to <laughs> to tell the story to people and at the forefront of continuing to produce this delicious wine exactly <laughs> <laughs> well getting back because we we are here to talk about wine so yep. i do want to talk a little bit about the wines that you make now yeah. So, um, I mean, moving forward, moving forward. I mean, you, you <laughs> obviously you hit all of the sort of the, the, the freely highlights. I mean, I, I was lucky enough Clear. to get a bottle of Rafalsco from you today. Um, mm -hmm. Cabernet Franc, I understand you're having some really incredible success in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Tell us I a little bit to, about that. Cause usually Cabernet so, here is kind of, you know, I don't know, it's almost sort of being abandoned, but, it, and it can be a little bit rough, but you seem to be doing something really special with it. Well, we are, um, we, uh, as everything, uh, most, the biggest problem of some of the greatest wine we have is that the, the vines that themselves are generous. It's Cabernet Franc, like the Merlot, it's a, a quite generous variety. So produces a lot of grapes. It, it produces a lot. So if you if you really want to do a great wine, you have to be uh, severe with the plants, with the pruning, with the way you grow them. But especially on the Cabernet Franc, there are some old clones, and 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 I keep coming up with this thing of the old clones because you know at the, at the very end, just to, to make a, a, a flashback. Why history is important in winemaking, apart the fact that it's cool, is just because you have to imagine that 400 years ago, when the Perosini family and my father family, uh, but in this case, the Perosini family started with the winemaking in Friuli, mm-hmm. all the spots were ab- available to be planted. And they choose some spot and they choose some vines. Okay. And this is... Uh, the, the base point why history is important is because they were able to choose the spot and the vines and in, in this particular case our Cabernet Franc which is grown on the on the hill mm-hmm. due to the the great sun exposure he gets on the hill and uh, and the, the drought basically suffer a bit during the summer he lost he lose completely this um, green notes uh, and okay. goes more into um, the um, like almost uh, vibrant, spicy black pepper notes, mm. uh, almost minty notes. So you have a, a wine that is vibrant, like, and uh, it still keeps the freshness in the mouth that you wouldn't expect from a, from a wine that is grown on a on the hillside, uh, okay. on the top of the hillside, because normally they are over extracted instead like in the merlot we go more in the expression of the full body but the cabernet franc if you collect it in the right spot uh, in the right moment you have this powerful nose uh, and at the same time uh, this uh, fresh uh, spicy uh, nose uh, yeah, which is uh, which is great you know and is that, is that what sort of americans the, the market in america really likes about the cabernet franc or what is what is it that that, that is sort of the I, secret to your success in that market i honestly uh, for me it's hard to understand in the sense that we started with them um, with the u.s market and um, there was this initial phase where was going but not flying yet and okay. um, and then sadly in the last three years uh, we saw a growth and and what came back from our importers were that all the customers were start rebuying the wine once they taste it and uh, and uh, and this is the the amazing thing because it means we built a base and once the client understood the 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 quality of the wine they go even over the name because it's That's not the kind important. of wine you expect to 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 fly and to work well in the US yeah so you've Was gotten it, this sort of like fan base yeah but you know my wife is with and the brother of my of my wife is uh, now studying in uh, in New York, and uh, he went into a wine shop uh, in a Big Apple, and he entered and uh, he had a dinner with friend and asked for a wine, and they suggested him my Cabernet Franc. Ah, <laughs> wow, that's cool. Wow, that must be so satisfying. It's like, yeah, yeah no, I was tr- actually thinking maybe like something that wasn't mine. <laughs> so, I drink that all the time. <laughs> so actually it's uh no it's uh it's quite cool and then of course we work but i, I would say anyway that the, right now the main red uh, work wise for us is the black label merlot the one that is done with the very old clones okay these were we the, were the clones that for, you said how old were these clones from merlot so 70th century 70th century wow. because we what we did uh, with the with the university of Udina, we analyzed the dna and um, we saw that basically you see the dna is very close to a merlot but there are three small 
changes on the chain, mm. which uh, make it different from all the other clones. And probably was uh, Giacomo Perusini, the father of Gaetano, mm -hmm. that brought them from France. Okay. Because Giacomo Perusini did an amazing study on uh, genetics and on selecting ge genetics in 90. Uh, 1906, he did a book about the picolit, and it's quite curious because from that book we had the analysis, chemical analysis of our bottled wine of the 1836, which I guess no one else in Italy has. No. So <laughs> it's um, wow. Was uh, was uh, was really interesting to 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 go back in the history and see it. This history is still flowing in our vineyards. So this Mer this old clone of Merlot from France, how does it differ from some of the Merlot that you typically find in Friuli? So it has this slight note of, um, I would say, almost of dried plum that connects between the, the fresh strawberry notes that, that are characteristic of the, of the Merlot. But then you have this overripe, cherry and plum notes hmm. which uh, can be recalled to some uh, let's say some caps of of uh, overripe caps of okay but uh, it's very delicate and so it have really a very complex uh, uh, bouquet you know and uh, is done and the technology of the barrel banded with the wood and then toasted was born for the Merlot. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then uh, we start experimenting because then you have to, to, to find the right timing of toasting, the right kind of wood. The, the, the stick of the wood have to be aged for four years uh, right. before being used for the barrel. And everything started with that. And then slowly we start applying it to, um, to all the other wines. Okay. So it was, That's uh, really, yeah, Merlot can be a little bit, um, can have a, like a little bit, a little bit less focus. It can be sometimes, um, not particularly complex, very pleasing, um, yeah. and drinkable, but doesn't really sort of jump out as super complex. Um, so having that extra dimension of complexity on the wine is, is really, really interesting. Um, yeah. time has been flying and there are a couple of people here on Facebook listening. There's Heather and Eleanor and Vanessa, my favorite ex-wife. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Vanessa never says anything, but she might come up and say hi at the end. But I wanted to give <laughs> Eleanor and Heather a chance to come up and ask you a question if they wanted to come up on stage. So Eleanor, Heather, who's, uh, they're both regular listeners. Heather, who hasn't been here in a while. On she's, Facebook, you meant Clubhouse. Sorry, on Clubhouse, sorry. Regular <laughs> listeners here on clubhouse um so i wanted to give them a chance i know heather is doing her um friulano project so she might be interested in asking you something about friulano but um nobody's yep. raising their hand so maybe they're like listening at work and they have to stay quiet <laughs> so i'll give them that opportunity um okay. so we've we've talked about the blend and we've talked about the merlot and the cabernet franc so what about some, some other white wines that you do? What can we, obviously, you must do a Friulano. Obviously, we do. A and Ribola Jala, because you're, you said your family was also deeply involved with sort of like Ribola Jala. Yeah, yeah. Saving yeah, yeah. Ribola Jala. Yeah. You want to talk a so, little bit about that? Because Ribola Jala is hot. Yeah, Ribola Jala is really hot at the time. <laughs> and um, basically, my grandfather this time, my Mother, grandfather, it's so complicated. Thank, thank God I'm sober because otherwise it would be lost between the <laughs> different grandfather, grandmother, grandad, whatever. We'll do this again so, when, when you're drunk. So yeah. it'll, it'll be comical. <laughs> and it's going to come up, I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, my grandfather uh, reselected. In fact, we, we do have uh, three different clones uh, inside the state uh, that we use uh, uh, for different purposes. So um, the Ribola Jala is done mainly with three, with three clones. Uh, one, each one of them have a slightly different uh, characteristic. Uh, one is more phenolic uh, and uh, somehow bitters. And um, the uh, one is more aromatic and the third one is uh, more full-bodied and uh, ripes better. 
And the Ebola gialla is done basically with um, maceration of 24 to 48 hours that happened straight directly into the press. I, we made builds for us a particular press that have integrated the... Um, it have integrated a cooling system mm. so we can leave the skin in the press into an aromatic uh, into um without oxygen okay uh una atmosfera anaerobica uh, so what, do you so you like seal off the press and then fill it yeah. up with uh with like uh, nitrogen or something with carbon dioxide carbon dioxide okay and then uh, we chill it and this way, we can just start the press when we are happy of the result. Because the biggest problem of maceration is that most of the time you just have to put the skin and the juice into a tank. Then when the maceration is over, you pump it from the tank to the, um, to the press. And then you press it, you obtain the juice, and then you fermented it. But to, to make it simple, if you think at home, if you have an apple and you leave it there, it can stay there for two months. Once you cut it in 10 minutes, uh, it, it turns to brown. brown. Yep. Yeah. So this is because the enzymes uh, start to work once you broke their structure. And the idea of um, this process is just to avoid pumping and everything. <laughs> just to give an idea, to charge the press, the press goes under vacuum. So we are able to suck the berries inside the press wow. without pumping in order to avoid the stress on the skins. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, so they go in the press whole berry. They don't get crushed before they go in. Exactly. Uh -huh. So if we but they are destemmed. So yeah. Okay. In the case, in the ribola, they are destemmed. For the sauvignon, they're not. In there, we do whole bunch. Okay. For some of the friulano, we do whole bunch <coughs> because we have two clones of um, of friulano we use. Mm. It's a blend of the green friulano and of the yellow friulano. In the yellow friulano, we do some whole bunch, and we do have a supplier, uh, which have an amazing old vines, old, old, old vineyards of friulano, which is almost 100 years old. And wow. he supply us with this friulano with the red stems, which is amazing. And uh, on that, we just do whole bunch and uh, two to three days of uh, skin contact. Friulano with it, red stems? Exactly. It really? does exist. Yep. yep. Is yep. this like some sort of peduncolo rosso clone? Yeah. Cross yeah, something? Uh, and uh, it's very particular because it has super, super small berries uh, and you have this powerful nose uh, like it's a sort, it's a between a musquet and uh, and uh, and an overripe shard in it, but still with these aromatics of uh, um, grapefruit, you know. So it's so particular. There is a very small production of these very very old vines, and uh, I'm super happy because with this um, with this farmer, I I just pay him by by hectare, so I, I go down for the production to to not. Nothing. We're okay. talking about three to four ton per hectare, okay. but the quality, Tiny. it's amazing. It's honestly amazing. Like I'm, it's so important, like to the, the, the few supplier we have, uh, it's very important to, 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 I, to have a, a, a way where you can really do high quality right. wine growing. You know? Do it's you, a, do you like, um, blend all those different types of Friulano together? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when I, can I come and taste that one before you blend it? Because I'm super I do, curious about I that. I do have I do have a separate barrel in the cellar which I normally I drink, but f I can share a glass with you. See see you tomorrow <laughs> at nine a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you bring the flakes, I put the wine. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds like a deal. Sounds like a deal. Anyway, um, Christine just came into the room as well, so I want to make sure that if she wants to come up on stage and ask a question, she just popped in, so I just want to make sure that she knows that she's more than welcome to come on up onto the, uh, onto the stage and, uh, and ask a question. So, But we're coming up on an hour here, so <clears throat> I don't want to go too long. I don't want to keep you too long. 
Uh, but I do appreciate you being here. Uh, and it's really been absolutely fascinating. I don't know about for anybody else who's been listening, but I'm just I really enjoyed learning more about your wines and learning more about what you're doing. It's, it really seems like you're, uh, you're, you're, you're creating something special here with a, with a real special history. What, what is your, um, so what are your next steps, Michele? I mean, you are the winemaker, correct? Yeah, I'm okay. the winemaker. I'm in charge of all the production. And, and uh, your um, your brother Carlo, who I met today, he's sort of more on the commercial side. Yeah, and then there is a uh, Tommaso that is uh, more into the the connection. He's the administrative. Uh, okay. Uh, between the 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 two. <laughs> so okay, gotcha. Uh, so yeah. what what's what's next for you? What are your sort of uh, your your Sony so, nel cassetto? Right now, with uh, our brother, with with my brothers. We are doing a huge project for uh, for a new vineyard, which is on the steepest side of the hill, mm-hmm. and uh, we are planning there to do um, uh, so. Great wine starts from the territory, and um, right now we are building this huge work to to resettle one of the oldest place for the for the vines that it was in Gramogliano. And in there, we are gonna work on the more on the Zentaroso because uh, I think that that spot and that exposure can give us the biggest, the biggest satisfaction. There is just an issue with climate change because we have these impressive uh, showers that come very fast, uh, like uh, these floodings almost. Ah, uh, so like these big downpours, affect, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they and they can affect the stability of the hill. So we're gonna do a huge work to stabilize uh, in case of showers, uh, and um, and then we. Um, uh, so you don't have problems with like landslides or. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. right now that side was abandoned because of the of the landslides, uh, and we just uh, decided to invest a lot on the on the on the territory because I mean. Being on the hill and keep the the wine making into the hill, even though it's ten times more expensive than in the in the in the flat uh, area, it's so important for the history, for the quality, and for what the hills represent in the wine uh, industry. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like it sounds like a pretty. How how many hectares are you going to get out of that that project? So we're gonna six six six. Okay. That's, that's a pretty, that's big a pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. big, big vineyard. Six hectares, very steep. Yeah, and yeah, all yeah, dedicated yeah, yeah. to reds. Yeah. So, but another thing that you have to come and see and visit. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, I I, I um, urge everyone to come to Friuli and visit. Um, right now that's my job my job it that is that is my job and that's something that i do that i love but of course the situation around the world's not helping heaps at the moment we have to be patient and we have to use all the resources we've got and um keep talking about it exactly well here's what we're going to do you and me now when we have a maybe a saturday morning free Yes, please. We'll go up and I will. Yes, please. Because I, today was the first time when I went up to pick up the bottles for today. It was the first time I actually stayed at the wine. I've been to the um, Postiglione, which is a lovely restaurant that's on their property. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was the first time I went to the winery. And there's, it's unbelievable. And as, as soon as I saw the whole setup there, I was like, Nat's got to see this. Right. Well. So we will go. We will come up and see you, Michele. But very, I can't wait soon. to have you to have you two uh, at home, and we can see the winery corner. We can see the, the you'll be out the, of quarantine. The part. Uh, I'm gonna be out of quarantine. Oh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> still still in quarantine as well. So, but uh, let's see. The, I thank just, God. I just thank, thank God. Yeah. In our work quarantine is great because I have a big garden full of vines Wonderful. and like the priest I can drink wine on the workplace it's <laughs> another great thing you know <laughs> yeah it's, you know it's one of those lucky we're lucky to be able to do that we're, we can drink on the job yeah, yeah, yeah. And we still look professional. Exactly. <laughs> I, I did a couple exactly. of, of uh, vendemias in the past when I first got here many many years ago in uh, Ridarcano I think something yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, it was quite interesting for, for somebody from London that 
hadn't even been to Italy previously to nine o'clock in the morning, you have a break with lots of old people that all get wine and salami at nine o'clock in the morning. That's how you keep keep going. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Fantastic. I just want to give everyone who's listening um, a last chance to come up on stage and ask questions. If not, um, you know, it's been an incredible episode full of history and passion and, and I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you came on and we'll do this again Michele maybe the next time we'll do it in Italian so we, this way we can we can talk a little bit about that also in Italian because we do do our clubhouse and our podcast sessions in Italian as well so and then mm-hmm. you know you'll be at a quarantine and we can get you in here to the, to yeah. the Taverna <laughs> studio so we can do this for, I mean it's great having you here on on clubhouse and listening to you but it's always a different feeling when you're here and we can course, see each other clearly. face to face well you just clearly you just took us literally on a trip on a journey of uh, like and last thing I not the last thing I expected, of course, because, you know, every winery has its history, but something like what you've just told us, um, you know, and of course you'll really be special. on our new website, latavernafriuli.com. Exactly, latavernafriuli.com. So, yeah, the, the podcast will be uploaded there and stuff, so um, and that's going to grow. And all the places where that's, yeah, that's going to It's a grow. baby, it's a baby, it's a good-looking baby, it's going to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a good-looking kid, yep. but um, uh, I do appreciate you taking time for us today, Michele, um, and for or for giving us this wonderful bottle of wine to, to taste. I'm and sure I'm, it will not be the last time I will drink this wine. And I'm really happy to share with you. Thank yeah. you so much, Michele. Thanks, Michele. Let's keep cool. in touch. Hope you're doing well. Have, have a nice evening, guys. You too. And you. T- and you. Thanks, Mandy, Eleanor Mandy. and Heather and Christine Mandy. for listening. <laughs> Thanks, Vanessa, my favorite ex-wife, for coming on in as usual and uh, and hanging out. So uh, thanks, Nat, for your support here. Thank you, Robbie, always being here behind the scenes. We appreciate it. Silent. Exactly. But, but we can't do it without him. Couldn't do it without him. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Michele. Have a wonderful Bye. day. We'll see you next week. Ciao. Hey, I want to thank everybody this evening for coming. Thank you for listening. I appreciate uh, Natalie Benlolo, our co-host, Rob Milani, our sound guy. Follow me on La Taverna Friuli on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram at Wayne Grape. And you can find this awesome music on YouTube at Beat Ambassador. Finishes with an A. Thank you.